I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Sia Najat, and it is time for us to talk DFS. Sia, happy Independence Day, number one. And number two, uh, we I guess I guess we gave Greg the, the day off. It's just you and I today. That's right. He certainly earned it. So it's just us. Rick, does this feel like a major as we scan this sort of like this DraftKings board? I mean, you you, you got guys in the 8,000s that are just sort of never in the 8,000s, for example, in the 9,000s. This feels like a warm up to the open, which of course it is. But even from a DraftKings standpoint, it feels like that too. 14 of the top 15 players in the world. The only one we're missing, Rory McIlroy. So uh, yeah, very much a major championship, the pricing reflective of that. We will talk through it. It's also it's also weird because it feels like a major, but because this is a co-sanctioned event, there's like a lot of guys who play primarily on the DP World Tour. So mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of data digging. We're doing a lot of comparisons. Those weighted strokes gain metrics, they come in handy this week. It's it's a full-on effort when it comes to research this, this time around. It is. And, and, and hopefully some of the people have been paying attention to what's been going on in the world tour, but uh, or over at the world tour. But I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, there's definitely guys that have been sort of in the back of my mind that have actually bet overseas over the last, you know, three, four, five, six weeks. So I, I think I've got some guys that are probably going to be relatively popular from sort of that Euro side because their names keep popping. But I'm curious to see where their ownership ends up being at. Two big announcements off the top before we jump into the course and jump into the player pool. Oh, yes, there it is. If you're watching on YouTube, you have just learned that we've been nominated uh, for the best sports podcast. Wow, 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 wow. In the People's Choice Podcast Awards. So if you would like to vote for us, which we would be greatly appreciative of, all you have to do is go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Don't worry, the link is in the description. And then toggle on down to the sports cast category and click on the first cut podcast. The whole thing takes like 60 seconds. Uh, as I mentioned, Jacob already took care of it. The links in the description. He's, he is so on top of this that if you are watching on YouTube, there is literally a QR code that you can scan and get this thing done in about two seconds flat. So, uh, we are super appreciative Sia of the, the support that we've gotten to this point. It would be nice to make a little run in this thing. 
I think it would be great to make a little run in this thing. And I'm I'm super appreciative. I feel very lucky to be a part of the first cut, not just because they were nominated uh, or we were nominated, but because this is a great cast. This is a great team. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays. I mean, literally every day of the week we bring it. And hopefully that's reflected in people taking the 60 seconds to vote for us. Yeah, literally uh, daily golf podcast, which I I can't imagine there's others. I, right. I don't think, yeah. I see, I, you know what's funny, Rick? <laughs> I never thought of that. I genuinely never thought of that. And that's got to be true. Is this the only daily go? Should we be touting that? Should should that be like our marketing thing? Like seven days a week of golf? I feel like that should be included somewhere. I mean, if you're a golf fan, I, I think you, this is your, your one-stop shop because you can do it every single day. And by the way, not only that, but we match. Rick, we match on the show. What other podcast brings you matching light blue? shirts button up shirts yes i usually go with the quarter zip on top but uh that's okay we'll work on that see ya. the other big announcement the other huge announcement the fan one and done vote link is now live in the description as well so go in there get your vote in tuesday morning uh when we record or we'll actually be live for the mega preview pod uh those one and done selections will lock so the fans have the same same deadline as you and i see ya. also the fans doing much better than you and i they are now in second behind only mark um and we stink well rick i i did uh I did deliver a blow to the fans this last week by picking Webb Simpson, who I believe they were on as well. So, yeah, so was I. I yes, yeah, so, well, Rick, that's hey man, that's on you. I'm just trying to take out the fans. You happen to be um, caught in the crossfire there, but but I'll tell you, um, I'm doing my part to to keep them at bay, and and I will. I'll try to I'll try to figure out who I think they're going to pick this week, so maybe I can take them out two weeks in a row. Yeah, just like text me who you're going to take. Or I'll, I'll just pick someone that you've already picked. Like I will remove myself from the opportunity of being Sia mushed. I will I will just pick someone that you have already played. That's the that is honestly the only the only way to go about surviving this. And again, uh, I need to apologize again, not to you, Rick, this time and not to the fans, but to Webb Simpson. Listen, I, I thought it was a lock for you to, to make the cut at least and, and do some damage on the weekend. But um, I guess this mush thing is like a real thing oh i guess it is all right well let's see if we can find some solid dfs options for this week and see there's a lot to talk about jacob if you could share my screen that'd be spectacular thank you very much this is my website rickrungood.com uh this is the course key stats tool now see we have to talk through kind of the logistics of this the scottish open's been around since like the 70s uh, the Scottish Open has been played at the Renaissance Club, which is where we're going back to each of the last three years. But this is the first time that it's a co-sanctioned PGA Tour event. So basically, the data that I have, it's like good, not great, right? It's not, it's not, ever, it's not like the full regression model that I would have run, which usually looks at all the PGA Tour stats. So. Um, I would tread a little carefully with some of the stats that we have just because of now the the difference in this event compared to last last couple of years. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think that's a a perfectly good disclaimer and and perhaps because of that we can incorporate a little bit more eye test and a little bit more recent form than than we we normally do. I mean, normally we're somewhat beholden to just the metrics, but in this case right. I think we can incorporate some other things in here. Uh, or at least I am at least beholden to the metrics for sure. Uh, you look at the scorecard. It is a par 71. It can be tipped out to like over 7,300. It's five par threes 
and four par fives, which leaves us with nine par fours. And um, I think it's going to play a little bit longer, Sia, because you got the five par threes that don't, you know, 7,300 yards with five par threes means the other holes, the non-par threes are generally fairly long or at least longer-ish. And then also, as you can imagine, it's time to put on the uh, the meteorologist cap because when we go overseas, like the scoring conditions and the things that we're going to see are so weather dependent. Yeah, and so that's that's the the one problem about doing a show on Monday when we're anticipating weather is we're not so close to the weather to know how that's going to shake out. I think if the weather is calm to some degree, then we're looking at a course that that is going to be very very scorable. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But with all of that said, I mean I'm definitely you know you're talking about the the, the par threes, but I, I think the par fives are going to be really important. So certainly one of the things I'm going to be focused on a is sort of driving distance, getting it out there, but also scoring on those par fives. I think is going to be very important here among other things like approach like we see here on youtube yeah the approach play uh, strokes gained approach is always one of the most correlated stats but it really jumps off the page at the renaissance club again just three years worth of data there minwoo lee our defending champion aaron rye won it in 2020 bird Wiesberger won it in 2019 all of them in a playoff see us we might be headed towards a playoff this uh sunday morning because Oh, here's the other big announcement. Get your lineups in. Get your picks oh, yeah. in. PGA Tour live coverage, which means this event starts uh, 2.30 a.m. Eastern on Thursday. So if you are in the Pacific time zone, that's Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, it, it that's kind of sad, right? Like because we're not. I mean, Rick, what's your what's your game plan there? I mean, what when are you waking up? Are we setting alarms here? Like what's what's happening? I don't have a game plan, which is horrible. I should have a game plan by now. I'm going to probably just power through the first like night and then like get acclimated. That I just I don't think I'm gonna have a chance to switch my like you know, time to sleep in the next couple of days. I think, I, I think just Thursday, Wednesday night into Thursday is going to stink and then I'll be fine. But then I'll be like that for the next two weeks. So it'll be good. Yeah, that's a good point. You may as well adjust for the next couple of weeks. And, right. you know, you listen, can I ask you a real quick question? Totally sure. off, off subject. Uh, last I recall being in Vegas for July 4th, they don't do big fireworks for July 4th. It's usually like the 30 December, like New Year's Eve. Is that true? Because I'm a little worried about Oliver. So, okay. So thank you. First of all, Oliver is so low key. He does not care all at all about fireworks and he does not care at all about the vacuum or anything else like that, that a lot of dogs care about. Uh, he, he, there was fireworks last night, just like people shooting them off and he could not care less. So that's much appreciated though, Sia, but we're good in that department. My understanding is, yeah. So I think for, New Year's, uh, a lot, they shoot them off the top of the casinos, which is kind of crazy, like eight different casinos. Last I heard for, for tonight, uh, I think there's only one casino shooting them off the seal off the roof. I can't remember which one I don't want to give credit to the wrong place, but I think only one casino is, is shooting them off tonight. Gotcha. Well, for, 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 for those who don't know, um, New Year's Eve, there's a lot of really cool fireworks to see. It's a, it's a good time to be in Vegas. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I had one more thought. Oh, the weather does look like it could rain Wednesday and then might be pretty clean Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll see maybe Sunday, but that could create a situation where this is soft. If this is soft, Sia, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Bernd Wiesberger won it in 2022 uh, at 22 under in kind of soft conditions. Minwoo won it last year in kind of soft conditions at 18 under. Aaron Reisier was not as soft. That was 11 under. So we legit could see a 10 shot difference in what the winning score is just based on what the weather report looks like. Yeah. And if it is, if it does happen to be calm, I mean, I definitely think looking at those scoring stats, which you're going to look at anyway, I just think maybe giving extra weight to that, you know, whether it's DK points or birdie or better, or, you know, strokes gain par five, you know, Eagles, birdies, whatever it is, I I think that's definitely going to come into play. And that should be the tiebreaker for you when you're discussing, you know, guys like Sam Burns versus, Mm. I don't know, whoever's in his, Will Zalatoris, for example. Okay, well, let's start discussing, guys. Let's uh, we'll look at the cheat sheet. We'll go tier by tier here. We'll figure this thing out. But first, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet and see only four golfers over $10,000. Scotty Scheffler is 11,200. John Rahm is 11,000. Justin Thomas is 10,6. And Matt Fitzpatrick, yes. Matty Fitzpatty breaks into the $10,000 tier. 10,100. That is well deserved, but still a little bit surprising to see his name up there with the other, with the other big boys. Very surprising. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, he has good history here as well, you know, yeah. not just coming off the win. And the metrics are always pretty good for Fitzpatrick, who who certainly can get it out there and kind of checks most of the other boxes. So, yeah, I, I'm not I, I don't I'm not really interested in Matt Fitzpatrick, Matthew Fitzpatrick, to be honest with you. And it's not because I, I hate him on this course. Clearly, he's great on this course. But I think I'm more interested of these four in Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas. Scotty Scheffler, it's, you know, you know, it continues to be a hard argument to make to fade Scotty Scheffler. And I don't think he's going to be super popular in this tournament where you're just going to have to quote fade the Scotty Scheffler chalk. That's not going to be the case here. So um, Scotty just, you know, in terms of scoring, whether it's on par fives or just generic DK scoring uh, he's, he's right there approach. He's third in this field last 36 rounds. Um, he, he does everything. He's got the short game to the extent that comes into play. So Scotty and JT, JT also rates out really well for me in, in almost everything I looked at. Those are the two I'm pretty much focused on. Here's all you need to know about Scotty Scheffler. Uh, he is actually in a slump right now. 
you would not know that based on his results, but he's actually in a slump right now. He is, over the last six starts, a small negative putter. He is mm-hmm. about a stroke worse per round, per round with the flat stick than he was from Phoenix to the Masters. So during this slump, a stroke worse per round with the putter, Sia. Two runner-up finishes, a 13th, a 15th, and an 18th. It's a, yeah. That's a joke. Like it's, that is unbelievable how good that is. It's a total joke. And his ball striking continues to be amazing. And, and you got to think that, you know, with every sort of slump with the putter with Scotty Scheffler, you can expect a bounce back, not just for one tournament, but for like 10 tournaments in a row with him. So I am, uh, I'm going to be a big fan of, of uh, trotting him out there, not just this week, but next week as well. Yeah. And speaking of the putter, so uh, here's JT's profile. And for years and years and years, we were like, well, JT's the, the the king of team no putt, and it's just a matter of whether the flat stick's going to keep him uh, keep him in this thing. But he has been so much better. I mean, he has gained strokes with the putter in one, two, three, four, five of his last seven, um, six, seven of his last like ten or eleven. I mean, he's been. Th- this is a large enough sample size to be really, really excited about the prospects for the next however many years for Justin Thomas. Yeah. And then if you, again, if you go out the 36 rounds, I mean, he still rates out 24th with the putter in this field, which is really telling. I mean, obviously these stats sort of tell the story on the ones we're watching on YouTube, even better than just a, a mere ranking, but yeah, he, he, he checks every box, top 10 in approach, top 10 DK points. If you want to look at that driving distance, top 10 opportunities gained number two, uh, just he, and by the way, he has a good history here as well. So I, you know, it's, it's hard to argue against Justin Thomas. Yeah. So he has the best history at the Renaissance club, not the Scottish open at the Renaissance club of anybody who's played here twice. So if you're watching on YouTube right now, you see Ryan Palmer, John Rahm, Johannes Veerman, one, two, and three in terms of strokes gained at the Renaissance club. But each of them have only played this event once. Justin Thomas has eight rounds. It's a ninth and a T8. He's gaining two and a two and a quarter strokes per round. Other guys uh who are over two strokes per round who have played this at least twice. Minwoo Lee, he has a win and a 30th. Tommy Fleetwood, who has a runner-up and a 26th, and then Eric Van Royen, who has a 14th and a T6. So uh I'm with you, Sia. Very interested to see how the ownership shakes out, but like Scotty's floor seems incredibly high, and Justin Thomas's ceiling, we know, is super high. Yeah, that's right. I mean, those are, again, depending on your lineup construction, I mean, first of all, it's very easy to include, you know, Scotty Scheffler or Justin Thomas in your lineup. I think a lot of people will be building from that portion down. I mean, I think also a lot of people will be starting in the 9K range because there's so much that's fruitful in the 9K range uh, for me, especially in that sort of lower end of the 9K range. With all of that said, again, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a situation where either of those guys are, or anybody really in the top four are going to be chalky. So I think if you like a guy, go ahead and roster him. Uh, we have to split hairs here at the top. I love John Rahm. He is phenomenal. All, lots of the metrics point in his direction. The only thing that worries me, Sia, is, is this part right here. From the Players' Championship to current, he has not been the approach player that we have generally seen. Uh, for John Rahm over the past couple of years. He lost six at the players, but I think he was on the wrong end of the draw there. Um, he loses two and a half at the match play. He loses another stroke and a half in Mexico. Even even the, uh, or excuse me, in at the PGA Championship, uh, even the events that he has good results and he's hitting it better, it, it's not nearly as good as we 
are used to with John Rahm. Yeah, and so that's the thing. You know, John Rahm is is obviously going to be a pretty good play, but when you measure it against Scotty Scheffler, when you measure it against Matt Fitzpatrick or Justin Thomas, it like it, the, the line of demarcation is pretty clear. Like it's very clear you when we're looking at rickrungood.com to see like the bright or I should say the dark green when it comes to Scheffler and Justin Thomas. And then you see, you know, a lot of light green uh with um with John Rom. So that doesn't mean he can't pop and win this tournament. Uh, and for the record, if he happens to be, you know, 8% lower owned than Scotty Scheffler, which I don't think he will be, then I think that's a different conversation. But in terms of if we're just weighing these guys against each other and ownership is the same, uh, it's, it's a definite no for me on John Rom. The $9,000 range, Xander, Patrick Cantley, Colin Morikawa, Will Zaltoris, Sam Burns, Cam Smith, Hideki Matsuyama. That's it. Those are the guys. Um, with a field this deep, Sia, you're getting big names in the nines and the eights that we're going to try to take advantage of. Who can we take advantage of here in the $9,000 range? Yeah, there, there's so much here. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to pass over Patrick Cantley. I think he might be just, just generally lower owned, but I think it'll be pretty flat the rest of the way. I, mean, I think Xander is interesting. I don't know that people want to pay up for him relative to, let's say, Colin Morikawa on down. Because to me, let's start with Will Zalatoris, actually. Will Zalatoris at 9,300, Sam Burns at 9,200, Cameron Smith at 9,100. I really think you could start your lineup there. And for the record, I don't think that's going to be tremendously different. Other people will think of that. But I, I just think... There's so much here in the 9K range that you may as well take the discounts on the guys in the lower end. I mean, I, I really like Zalatoris, Burns, and Cameron Smith, probably the best if we're talking about the player versus their price. Yeah, the Zalatoris stuff is crazy. He's just been piling up these top five and top 10 finishes basically every single time he tees it up. So he'll certainly be um, a, a huge portion of the core. I, I am, I'm, I'm pretty big in on, on Xander at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you remove, like just remove the Travelers Championship win, remove the Zurich Classic win, he still gained 11 strokes at the Byron Nelson, over nine at the PGA, six and a half at the Memorial, and 8.4 at the U.S. Open in those like four consecutive starts. That stretch was bookended by two wins. Like that yeah. is, he is really, really good right now. Really good. And when you start to look, see at like, you know, last 24 rounds uh, of everybody in this field, Xander's number one. I like to use 24 rounds. That to me is mm -hmm. kind of my default. I think it's long enough without being too long. Um, very handy that JT Poston going into last week was number one in, in strokes yeah. gained over the last 24 rounds. So I'm, I'm, I'm big in on, on Xander right now. First of all, I just love how you said it very explicitly. I think on multiple shows last week, last 24 rounds, JT Poston <laughs> is, is the best in the field. And there were, there were certain qualifiers with that in terms of how he was getting it done. But, it, but it is funny because there is a, a great debate that, that I think we'll, you know, we'll hopefully solve soon in terms of, you know, this time of year, do you want to look at 24? Do you want to look at 36? Do you want to look at 50 rounds or more? And does it depend on the tournament? You know, all, all of this stuff I, I think is really interesting. I tend to look at 24 as well. Sometimes I look at 36, sometimes I look at 50, but with all of that said, Listen, I'm not going to argue with you for Xander Shoffley. And, and, and this is such a deep tournament that really, truly, if you wanted to, you could 
target Xander Shoffley and a guy in the 10K range and be absolutely fine filling out the rest of your roster. You'll have to go down to the low 7K range, maybe high sixes at some point when you're doing that roster. But no, I don't have a problem with Xander. And, and I don't know if you mentioned it, but he, he also has a top 10 here, you know, finished 10th right. here last year. So certainly seems to like the course. The recent history is great. The metrics are always good for Xander. So no, no issue with it whatsoever. Uh, who's the X factor in this range? Who's the guy, maybe a little lower owned, maybe a little overlooked with enough upside to win this thing that you think could kind of break the slate a little bit? It's interesting because I don't know that other than Cantley, I don't know that there's going to be anybody that's overlooked. However, if we're talking about a guy that's maybe a little less than some of the really popular guys, I wonder because I think Sam Burns is going to be popular. I actually really like Sam Burns on this course. I wonder how much ownership Cameron Smith and Hideki Matsuyama are going to get. Um, I really like Cameron Smith as well. I actually, one of the first lineups I did, and I, you know, I filled out a handful. I actually started with Zal, excuse me, Zalator, Sam Burns, and Cameron Smith. It left me, for the record, 7,467, So, which is which is plenty, by the way, especially if you're willing to dip down into the 6K range. But I, I really think... Uh, this is a perfect course, a perfect setup for Cameron Smith. Cam Smith is number one in this field. Last 24 in strokes gained approach. He's, he's, he's just not putting well, which is usually not something that stays away from Cam Smith for very long. Right? That's right. He, and he, he, no, go ahead. Go ahead. He will find that flat stick eventually. And when he does, uh, he's probably going to win. And, and I want to be involved in it when he finds it. Yeah. And I, you know, the thing about the putter too, with, with Cameron Smith is like, like you said, you know, that's coming around and hopefully I'm hoping that his ownership is just a touchdown than it would, than where it should be because of the recent results, which, which the putter has contributed to. We know when he pops with the putter, if he's marrying a good putter with a good approach play, like, you know, he's absolutely top fiving this thing. So I'm hoping that when we see ownership and again, for all of you listening, you know, be really careful how long you wait for ownership and how long you wait to submit your laps. Because again, this tournament starts at a much earlier time than normal. But with all of that said, I'm really hopeful that Sam Burns, for example, Will Zalatoris, maybe Morikawa, maybe Xander, suck up so much ownership that you have a Cameron Smith that is maybe, I don't know, five or 6% lower than some of those guys. I want to get down to the eight case and then the sevens, and find some value in the sixes. And we're going to do just that, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Let me uh, address a question from Tom Maroney that says, I thought JT withdrew. So I'm assuming Tom thinks this, Sia, because he's, uh, JT still has that red designation in on DraftKings, which 
I think it says out or now it might say questionable where that is, they're always late on that. That is from JT's last tournament that he withdrew from what the travelers before it started that, that designation has carried over. He ha- he is very much in this event. Yeah. I wonder why DraftKings does that because it's not like it's an oversight. They know what they're doing and it's just, it's just weird to me. Like, I guess if you, if you want to compare it to, to football, I mean, I guess if you carry a, a questionable tag one week, you're probably going to be questionable the next week, but it's very confusing. You may as well take it off and then apply it later. It is like 100% just the way their database is built. And they, they okay. must get their injury designations from some other source. And that source is probably like, oh yeah, we don't update until like Tuesday of tournament week or something like that. And it just lingers there. Like I guarantee it is like 100% a third party that it's not worth them making a fuss over and rebuilding everything for Thursday. Yeah. And and for the record, I'm in Justin Thomas's case, people are going to kind of know, you know, by tonight that he's actually playing and he's fine, but there are circumstances where there's like a lower end guy that has that tag and therefore like nobody's paying attention to him. And those are times to maybe pounce on that guy, particularly if you like him, because the ownership actually might be lower because people when they're doing lineups early are completely dismissing that person. The $8,000 range. Uh, Myron is is all over this. There's a comment from Myron here that says, Ryan Fox can be sneaky, but will he show up against the big dogs? Well, Ryan Fox is in the $8,000 range, Sia. And let's just start there because this is a very good question. Ryan mm-hmm. Fox is a very talented uh, DP World Tour regular who in his last eight DP World Tour events, he has eight top eights which is uh, fairly good from what I understand about golf. <laughs> the, the, I guess the, I don't even want to say it's a concern. The other thing to consider is that he's played two major championships during that stretch, a 54th at the PGA where he gained five and a half strokes on approach and he missed the cut at the U S open. So we now need to reconcile eight top eights in a row on the European side of things with a 54th and a missed cut at our last two major championships. Yeah, and I think that's why, for me, I'm not going to be on Ryan Fox. And and it's not just that. It's when you contrast that with his price. I shouldn't say contrast, when you compare it to his price. Because I I thought, I understand how how good Ryan Fox has been. These these finishing positions are amazing. But I still thought he'd be like 7,700 or 7,800. This is by far the most expensive he's ever been. Previously, he was $7,100 at a WGC event in 2018 that's the most expensive he's ever been on a pga tour slate until right now so fourteen hundred dollars more expensive so he's in a weird spot because everybody sort of knows what ryan fox is or most people know what ryan fox is doing at this point so he's going to pick up i guess some ownership there but i also think that the reverse is true too because you look at ryan fox next to like Joaquin Neiman, for example, Sung jm uh, even if you go down to like cameron young Corey connors maybe tommy fleetwood like there's I don't think like the standard regular DFS player is going to want to play Ryan Fox. And, but again, I'm making the point that he'll have enough ownership because of how good he's done that. I don't think I'm going to be on him because he's going to be super low owned. So he's just in this weird spot Mm -hmm. where I just don't think I'm going to play him at all. It's a bizarre, it's, it's a very unique situation. We don't get a lot of very unique situations like this where he's yes. I think he's both simultaneously a good play and too expensive which mm-hmm. is always kind of a weird spot to be in. Uh, who else in this 8K range has your full attention? Yeah, I mean, okay, first of all, there's going to be a very popular, two popular guys probably, but one in particular. 
and I'm waiting for you to identify him on here on YouTube. Do you have your credit? There it is. Okay. Your guy, Victor Hovland at 8,800. I made reference to this at the beginning of the show. That's staggering. I don't, I don't really know how to reconcile that. I, I think as I look at the 9K range, I don't know that he should be in the 8K range. I think he, sh- he should be firmly up there near Colin Morikawa at like 9,300, 9,200. What is this price? And is he going to be just super popular? How can you resist Victor Hopland at 8,800? Yeah, this is um, this is the cheapest he's been, I think, since the 2021. It's been a while. It's been over a year since Victor Hopland has been in the $8,000 range. And... uh. I mean, listen, it's it's not like he's played super well, right? He 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 missed the cut at the US Open. He finished T51 at the Memorial. Those are both well below uh what his own expectations would be. He's had the time off, right? Went back to went back to Norway, got hopefully got everything all figured out, and now he makes kind of a sprint to the finish line here. I'm I love a guy with upside. And he's won six times in 85 events. And that is even with the deficiency that everyone always wants to point out around the green. Mm-hmm. I have no problem paying. Like, like I just in general have no problem buying high upside win equity golfers at their all-time low. Yeah, I mean, it's not like this is a Matthew Wolf situation. Let's go back to March. And if you if you ask me, is Victor Hovland going to mirror the ball striking from, from March through, I don't know, April or May? Or is he going to mirror the ball striking between, let's say, you know, June and July or whatever? I, I would go, I would defer to what I know Victor Hovland to be. And, and, and I don't think around the green game is going to be super critical here. I don't think it's going to be super arduous for Hovland. So I just think this is a perfect time to play him. I just wonder, and I, I'm not looking at any sort of preliminary ownership. I just wonder if everybody is thinking the same thing we are. 8,800 just seems like such a bargain. But then again, Sungjae, Neiman, yeah. Spieth, uh, you can go down and just take Corey, Con- uh, not Corey Connors, Cameron Young at 8,100, who, for the record, I like. And, and I'll just finish answering your question. So, yeah, I love Hovland. I also like Jordan Spieth. I think it's a good setup for him. I like Max Homa, and I like Cameron Young. So, so uh, Victor Hovland has not cracked the 20% ownership since Phoenix. He was 12, 12, 12, 10, 11, 12, 17, 16, 6. So I, I, I think we are in store for a... 9 to 12% owned Victor Hovland. Yeah, so it's just weird though because you know, a couple of those tournaments that again we can see it here on rickrungood.com on YouTube, most of those tournaments he's in the 9 and 10k range. Right. So it's like now yeah. it's the first time that people get to roster Victor Hovland in the 8k range. I just don't think people will be able to resist that. And I get it. Like I, I don't know that I'll be able to resist it. And and therefore if he's really popular, if it turns out that that's going to be the case, then in the bigger tournaments I'll, I'll probably end up fading him, but yeah, I mean, he's he's the headliner of that 8K group. You might be right. You might be right. Maybe people just look at it and won't be able to resist. Um, the stat profile from Max Homa is about as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he is one of the best ball strikers going back, whatever you want to look at, 24, 30, 45, 50. Uh, ball striking numbers are there. He's much better around the green now. His putter, um, it can go in both directions, but he's generally quite positive with it. This is a dream come true stat profile for $8,000. It's amazing to me that at the U.S. Open, he lost six strokes putting and still finished in the top 50. Yeah. Like, that is very difficult to do. It's it's really amazing. So my point there is 
a bad day for Max Homa, he still cruises through the cut and potentially, you know, cracks the top 50, top 40, top 30, which of course we're looking for more from Max Homa here. But listen, he's a flat 8K. I, the mod, the initial model that I've run, he's number two in the model. Maybe my model screwed up, but I absolutely love that. I mean, he rates out so well on approach in any sort of scoring stat you want to you want to um, emphasize. Putting, he's great. He's top ten last thirty six rounds. There's really very little by strokes gained par five. He's he's way up there in the top ten. There's not an argument to be made against him other than, hey, listen, is he going to be really popular? I wonder the same thing about Cameron Young in terms of his popularity. Home is definitely going to be more popular. Um, and if he is, then I'll, I'll maybe consider a pivot. But Homa, the value on that is tremendous. Before we move on, David wants to know about Tommy Fleetwood. Is he back? So here's Tommy Ladd's stat profile. See ya. Uh, see anything good here? Not really. I mean, the short game's great. Uh, yeah, I, the ball striking isn't isn't there. I mean, I, I'm not even sure this is the tournament for him in terms of like how this sets up for him. I and mean, obviously, he historically has been good on approach, but I don't, I don't see it unless he's really low owned. Then I think he's an interesting pivot. But knowing Tommy Fleetwood, he's never really low owned, especially overseas. He has a decent history here. I'm just, I'm not interested personally. Over four uh, days, I'm not interested. Maybe in a showdown, I would be. Yeah, the runner-up finished in 2020, the 26th last year. I'm lukewarm, like a six out of ten on Tommy. If five is, you know, five is average. Um, Okay, let's jump on down to the $7,000 range here. We got a couple of veterans at the top and Justin Rose, Keegan Bradley, Keith Mitchell, Terrell Hatton. It goes down to a couple of Molinari brothers are both $7,000. How about that? Henrik Stenson in the field. Uh, what do we do here in the seven, Sia? Yeah, this is, uh, this is where I think this is where you could kind of win or lose your tournament. And the reason I say that is because I think the way people are going to build, whether you're building with a lot of 9K guys or you're going 10K, 9K, 8K, I think you're going to end up with a couple of 7K guys in your lineup. And, and I think it's it's actually, to me, it's very difficult to determine who stands out over some of these other guys in the range. The guys that I sort of located, I think Mito Pereira is interesting. I know he's yeah. he hasn't been great lately. With that said, I love how he fights back from bad starts. Also, also like his hasn't been great lately, which I don't disagree. The two missed cuts are gaining a stro- gaining nearly a stroke on the field at the U.S. Open and missing the cut, and then losing .08 at the Travelers Championship. He's gained strokes uh, in total over his last two starts and hasn't made a weekend. That's that's a that's a pretty good way to miss a cut. It's such a heartbreaker for me, Rick. You know, I, I shared a text with you during the Travelers where. I really needed Mito to make the cut and I had like some yeah. serious outright potential and he, so he started, you know, round one that, uh, and this is what I love about him. His round ones have not been good as of late and he's battled back. I love the moxie and just sort of the, the wherewithal he has to be a young golfer and to come back from things like that. And, and at the travelers, he, he was, I believe like six under at a certain point, And then he bogeyed three out of his last, uh, his five holes there. I still think he's a great value. Um, I wonder if the shine is off him enough where he's not going to be super popular, but I'm sure he'll pick up some ownership. Some guys that'll be a little less uh, rostered that I kind of like. I think Jonathan Vegas is interesting. I think it's a good course setup for him. Um, He can certainly get it out there. He can get hot sometimes with the putter and on approach. Um, Moronk, I think, is really interesting. His, His profile in terms of finishing positions, Adrian Moronk, 
has been really good. If we just look since yeah. March, third, third, 98th, sixth, third, 74th, and then at the Irish Open last week, a first place finish. Uh, so I think he is a guy that I don't think people are going to be sleeping on necessarily, but I don't think he'll be super highly owned because people aren't paying attention to the world tour too much. Okay. What do we do with Lucas Herbert here? Because, um, or I guess what is the industry going to do with him? Because he's got back-to-back fourth place finishes. And then he had a top 10 last week at the Irish open. Now, I don't know how, as you, as you mentioned, like how in tune people are with that. Like, uh, what's the ownership for Lucas Herbert going to look like? Because I could be, if he's like 9% owned, I'm all the way in. If he's like 19% owned, I'm all the way out because he is super reliant on the short game. I worry about some of these advanced metrics. But if you're, if they're going to give me a guy who's coming off a top 10 with back-to-back fourths here, I'm going to take it. Yeah, I hear you. And but the only thing I'm seeing from him is is pops with the putter. So I mean, I and I get the course history argument, but I think there's sometimes where I'm happy to marry, like I'm happy to be, you know, I'll just look at course history and I and I won't, I'll disregard recent form. I think in Lucas Herbert's case, especially with, you know, what what appears to be an influx of talent, Rick. I don't know what the talent profile is in terms of the rating this year versus let's say the last two years, but I would I would imagine that guys like Lucas Herbert are up against way better competition than they have been the last few years. Yeah, so we don't have the strength of field yet, but it's going to be big. I mean, and and the Scottish Open is generally pretty decent. Last year's was 400, which to put that into perspective, a 400 on the PGA Tour, um, I'll tell you this in a second. It is like a, it's like the Travelers Championship. It's like winning the Travelers, mm-hmm. where okay. Xander, Xander won. So it's, it's, it's decent. Uh, I, I think we're going to crush that. I think we're going to get, I mean, when you have 14 of the top 15 players in the world, you start getting into major championship WGC type areas. I think we're going to get, I don't know, 600, something like that. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me at all. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like Moronk uh, quite a bit. A couple other names I'll mention that I think are interesting and likely to be lower owned. Uh, Harris English, Patrick Rogers, and Eric Van Royen. The really thing about, the really interesting thing about Van Royen is, He's been really bad, basically. I think this entire year. But that if is go- interesting. <laughs> well, well he, no, but here, yeah, that's it. that is interesting. But here's the more interesting part. If you recall, last year he was also bad until this time of year, until it was time to qualify for the FedEx Cup, where he finished. I guess it started in July or August, where he finished first, thirty seventh, seventh, fifth, and twenty second. So yeah. I, I'm not suggesting he's able to like turn it on and off like the Showtime Lakers, but I am suggesting that he he might just be one of those guys that hones in sort of into his craft later in the season. And he does have good history here. I think he's a really interesting contrarian play because nobody's going to look at his stat profile and say, Hey, I'm going to roster EVR. $6,000 range. Let's find some value here. See ya. These are kind of struggling PGA tour vets, plus a bunch of guys who reside primarily on the DP world tour. What do we do? I'll just list off a few names I like. I think Matthew Naismith is definitely coming into his own. He he might have met his match from a talent standpoint here, but I still think at 6,900, he's okay. Zanotti is really interesting. Uh, he's been a top 40 machine over on the World Tour. He almost won the Irish Open last week. He was one shot off going into Sunday. I think it's a great price on him. Uh, I'll, I'll continue to mention Anabon Lahiri, who I think has the talent to, to be okay here. John Caitlin, a top 25 machine on the World Tour. He was fourth at the Irish Open last week. I think Wyndham Clark is interesting. And then as far as um, flyers, I'll, I'll, I'll mention Clark, Callum Taron, and Sammy Valamaki. I think those are interesting upside guys that you can throw into your lineup and maybe win a big tournament with. Uh, one more, two more. 
if you're freaky and you want to get into Patty Harrington, he's coming off the win at the U.S. Senior oh. Open Championship mm-hmm. and has two straight top 20s here at, at the Renaissance Club. Audrey Arnis, uh, who I'll have to pull up his his stats from all over the world, uh, but he's finding himself in the mix more often than not. Third in, in Saudi Arabia, ninth, eighth, runner-up. He's not played as well in in super recent stuff, um, but I still think he's worth a flyer. This is it's kind of interesting, right? These guys that um, you know play so often on the DP World Tour, getting an influx of PGA players, and now it's co-sanctioned, but it's still going to feel like home. Like I'm interested to see how they how they shake this whole thing out. Yeah, I totally agree. Some of the names I mentioned, like Zanotti, uh, Caitlin, I'm really interested to see how they measure up to some of the guys that you know, our household names now on the PGA tour, like a, like a Mito Pereira, for example, or even a Patrick Rogers. How, how do they measure up to a Patrick Rogers who is, is kind of one of those guys that, you know, he's good. Sometimes he's, he's, he's not great other times. Uh, hit me with them narrative lineups, Jacob. Let's see what we got here. Okay. Oh, wow. What, what are we dealing with here? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> yeah, we've got yeah. This is a lot. I love the imaging. Okay, so the, we. I'll, I'll do mine first. I wanted to do a Braveheart lineup. Um, so again, oh. always drop the hashtag uh, Strosky narrative. Now Braveheart, I think was released in 1995. So so Rick, have you seen Braveheart? <laughs> I have seen. Braveheart. Okay, just Braveheart is the uh, aim small, miss small one, right? Uh, I don't remember. With, actually, with uh, what's what's the guy? Not Bruce Willis. Is it Bruce? Who's the who's the Mel guy? G- Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Okay. Uh, yeah. Aim small, so, small. Doesn't he teach his kids how to shoot, or is this a com- completely different movie that I'm describing? I think it might be a different movie. I'll let the I'll let the listeners <laughs> okay, uh, let us know. Wait, isn't Braveheart so, hold the line? Is he like um, hold the line? Is that not Braveheart? Uh, I don't Have know. Have you seen Braveheart? I'm, I'm <laughs> well, I'm I'm thinking of I'm thinking of, of Freedom and Mel Gibson yelling. It's been a while. It's been about. I'm 20 nailing years. Braveheart, and you have. <laughs> I, all right, here I was about to mock you for uh, being too young for Braveheart. Okay, so um, William Matt Wallace, obviously William Wallace, uh, Quick King Eduardo Molinari, Longshanks. Um, <laughs> Longshanks. Robert the Bruce McIntyre. That's a character in the movie Robert the Bruce. Cameron Smythe. Nice. Uh, Smythe is a character in the movie. Cameron Smythe, Cameron Smith. Uh, Stephen Yeager of Ireland. And another Will Wallace reference here. William Zalatoris Wallace. 3,500 to spare for porridge and deep fried Mars bars. Myron Kidd says that's the Patriot. Am I thinking of the Patriot or am I thinking of Braveheart? I might be thinking of the Patriot, actually. I think you might be thinking of the Patriot, but I could be wrong. Embarrassing. I could Uh, be wrong. All right. While I figure that out, the model maniac, his strokes gained narrative lineup uh what's the trend here so haggis is is that is the food so i think these are just like like food food oriented things out in in scotland nacho elvira who who is that that's a good question stephen brown sugar who is that Steven Sean Yeager. Crockpot is Sean Crocker, I think. Oh, hey, by the way, Nacho, Nacho Elvira is actually a guy in the field. <laughs> like straight up, that's his name? <laughs> yeah, that's his name oh, at 6,200. Model Maniac. I love you, brother. I don't, I don't get these. All right, Brent Harris went with Scottish <laughs> Open, things Scotland is famous for. Scotchy Scheffler, Chris mm-hmm. Kilt, uh, Loch List, like the Loch Ness Monster, Haggis English, which would be Harris English, Haltong Lynx Golf, and Rafa Cabrera Bayo the bagpipes. 
Uh, I, I think that's a great lineup. I think that might be the best one. I think we got two more that, that I can do for you real quick. We got the king right here, John Markowski, who keeps using his notes tab, uh, his notes app to submit lineups. No problem there. Scottish Open established in 1972. That's his birth year. Others celebrating 50th birthdays this year. Cameron Diaz Young turns 50 this year. Sungjae Eminem. That's fantastic. Eminem that's turns great. 50 this year. RC Ben Affleck. Harold Ben's ex, Jennifer Varner. Brandon, all I want for Christmas is woo. Mariah Carey, shout out. <laughs> and, and Alex Biggie Smalley would That's have great. turned, Big, Biggie Smalley would have turned 50 today, apparently. So, Rick, you want to do this last one from Fade My Plays? Yeah, Fade My Plays here. So, uh, Scotch Whiskey. So, he's going with McAllen Tarrant, uh, Joachim Lagavulin. Ryan Fox Fitzgerald, Johnny Walker Vegas, Sam Aaron Robert Burns, Adrian Moronki Shoulder. And he left $5,000 on the table. Uh, okay, I figured out this movie situation. This Yo. is confusing. So Mel Gibson plays two different... Okay, so he's in The Patriot, which is the movie I'm thinking of, <laughs> which is from 2000. Mel Gibson plays uh, Benjamin Martin. And then he plays William Wallace... Scottish warrior in Braveheart. All right. So thanks I, for confusing me and making me feel like I didn't watch the movie. I appreciate that. I haven't and seen it, Braveheart in a long time. Uh, speaking of apologies, I do want to apologize to Nacho Elvira for not knowing he existed and for uh, to John Catlin for pronouncing his name wrong. I was saying Caitlin because that's how it looks phonetically, but it is in fact Catlin. John Catlin's an American who plays on the DP World Tour, actually, uh, which is kind of rare, multiple. And he's won like four times over there. Um, Nacho is a common nickname for Ignacio, I believe. I mean, you're dropping knowledge that I have. I, I Okay, I'll take your word for it on that one. Anything else before we get out of here? <laughs> no, I think I think I got all my apologies out of the way. So uh, that's I think that's it for me, Rick. The end of every show, narrative lineups and all the things we screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Accountability. Got this. Uh, all right. Tuesday's mega preview pod, Wednesday betting preview, round by round recaps uh, a little bit earlier because of the time difference. Again, get your lineups in, get your picks in. This thing's going hot. Very in the wee hours of Wednesday evening into Thursday morning, depending on where you live. So uh, get your stuff in. For now, big thanks to producer Jacob, does all the hard work behind the scenes. See you, Najad, available on Twitter at See you, Najad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.